Football fans, this is Jeff Power, senior writer for Real Time Fantasy Sports, and welcome to another edition of the Real Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's show, I'm going to be joined by Stephen Hawley. Stephen is one of the top fantasy players in the industry. He's ranked fifth overall in our rankings on our site, and he's a past champion of the Fantasy Championship, which is the big time high stakes championship that we host on our site. Steven's a great player. He's been on the show before and he's going to provide some insight on this season and going forward for the rest of this year. But before I get to that, I did want to mention you can get in fantasy basketball leagues on our site. Just go to rtsports.com, click on the basketball link at the top of the page and get in a league today. We have three different formats you can choose from. We have a franchise fantasy basketball format. We have the slam dunk fantasy basketball, which is just head-to-head games. And we also have the best ball, the ever popular best ball formats, draft masters, fantasy basketball. So you can get in any of those leagues, go today. The season's getting close to starting. So get in a fantasy basketball league today. There's all different price points, all different formats. Just go to rtsports.com, click on the basketball link at the top of the page and sign up for a league today. And now here's my interview with Stephen Hawley, one of the top fantasy players in the industry. And I'm joined by Stephen Hawley. Stephen is one of the top fantasy players out there in the industry. He plays in several high-stake leagues. He plays in several leagues on our side. He's won the fantasy championship before on our side, which is the big-time high-stakes championship that we host. He's ranked fifth overall on our side as well, and he joins us once again. He's been on before. Stephen, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Hey, Jeff. I uh, I thank you as well for uh, getting in contact with me uh, during the season. I know we've done a lot of off-season podcasts, and you know, it just seems like yesterday we were doing the uh, Champions League together and discussing on the podcast about the draft results. And you know, we're already into week six to see how it's going to kind of shape up and how things have been going, and you know, just ready for a for a good bye week stretch. And before you know it, it'll be championship time again. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Just your thoughts on the season to date, like. What have you been most surprised about fantasy-wise after five weeks? I mean, it could be a player, a trend, any anything at all. What has surprised you the most fantasy-wise? Well, when you look back to how the last season kind of finished and the amount of attention and looks that running backs were getting, you know, it kind of transitioned to a kind of how an old-school look came about on draft day with a lot of running backs going in the early rounds and those mid-rounds kind of, being reserved for the for the wide receivers and now we've kind of transitioned back to how it was you know the the past three seasons before before 2017 to where you know quarterbacks right now are just throwing the ball at an unbelievable rate you know point you know it's the highest point scoring season in the last decade and you know when you look at how last season ended up you had nine quarterbacks that finished at 20 point at an average of 20 points per game Currently, right now, we're at 19, and even a guy like Derek Carr, who you know is getting a lot of criticism right now, hasn't really hooked up with the Amari Coopers that people still believed in. Even David, even a guy like Derek Carr is averaging over 20 points a game. So, just a just a dramatic just change in how the, out, the outlook looked last season compared to this season, as far as passing and and scoring overall in the NFL. Yeah, it was amazing to me to see that Tom Brady, as I was uh, prepping for my week and writing my columns and 
looking through all the rankings and whatnot. He's ranked 16th right now at quarterback. I don't know if we can ever remember a season in recent memory that Tom Brady was ranked 16th, but it's just absolutely crazy with those uh, quarterback numbers, just absolutely mind-boggling to start the year. So we talked about a surprise. How about a disappointment for you? Who is maybe somebody that you drafted or a couple players that you drafted that have just been a disappointment for you to start the year? Uh, well, I, I have a guy for me personally that uh, that has been a disappointment so far, and you know, playing in a dynamic offense. You know, you talk about Tom Brady. Well, the guy that I the, the guy that I was probably drafting quite a bit, especially you know, I like to draft early in the year. He was a guy I was able to get in the eighth, ninth round as the season progressed, as the preseason went along, and he kind of became a, a a go-to guy in the preseason for Brady. Um, but hasn't, you know, he just has, hasn't shown up whatsoever other than the week two performance against Jacksonville is Chris, wide receiver Chris Hogan. Um, you know, currently at wide receiver 66. And now, you know, you talk about a guy that kind of skyrocketed up to about the fourth round in ADP as preseason went along and as, you know, fantasy drafts became a lot, a lot more frequent on the website. Um, he was a guy that I was looking at, and I thought was in a good situation with Brandon Cooks being moved to the Los Angeles Rams. Edelman being out the first four games, you know, he had a he, he had plenty of opportunity in those first four weeks to kind of get to kind of be the go-to guy for for Tom Brady, and he just can't seem to get the separation that he was able to get last year. And now you talk about Edelman being back. Edelman had a very solid game his first game back. And also the addition of now Josh Gordon on the outside, it, it just doesn't look like it's going to be it's going to get any better for Chris Hogan. And in fact, in smaller roster leagues, sixteen roster leagues, I, I've actually already gone and you know kind of moved on from Chris Hogan and and, and dropped him from most from most leagues. So that was kind of a big one for me. That luckily in my early leagues when I was taking the eighth ninth round, not a lot of draft capital there, but you know had the upside and it showed as drafts went on that he became a fourth rider and I was still willing to take him in that fourth, fifth range and he just he, he, he hasn't he has been a been disappointing for me personally. Now the other the other player that that's kind of surprising to me that's been a disappointment that it never really seemed like it didn't matter what factors there were as far as bad offensive line play, lack of a run game, um no wider you know, not having good enough wide receivers or, or, or a steady tight end. Um, a big disappointment, shocker for me that I never really went after a lot because I don't I don't necessarily do this in a lot of my leagues, but it's current quarterback twenty one Russell Wilson, um, you know, and I hate it for the guy. I've always liked watching him play. I think the te- like his own personal talent is there. It's just the rest of the team around him, you know, is ha- hasn't really been hasn't really performed up to up to what they're capable of. The defense itself. Um, is not is obviously a shell of what it used to be. You know, the Legion of Boom no longer really exists. Um, so for him to be quarterback twenty one, and you're talking about a guy on draft day that was a consensus top five quarterback taken off the board, oftentimes going in the fifth sixth round. Um, it, it's been quite a surprise to me. Now, luckily this past week, you know, we saw Chris Carson and Mike Davis uh, run together and pretty much r- rush themselves one hundred and eighty yards. But that's also a big thing that Russell Wilson brought that he hasn't been able to do so far this season is, you know, through five games, the man has 42 rushing yards and no, and no rushing touchdowns. 
that's always been something that has elevated his play into being a top three or four quarterback for the last several seasons that he just hasn't been able to do. And, you know, it's starting to come out now that, you know, he has like a small little hamstring issue that, you know, might be hindering his ability to, to get outside of the pocket and to get rushing yards. So um, it, it, it's it's an unfortunate disappointment in the season so far for Russell Wilson. Um, can it get better potentially with the run game going as well as it is and Doug Baldwin coming back? Um, could help him, but it, it's it's quite a surprise to see him down there um, around the likes of Eli Manning and Case Keenum and Ryan Tannehill who follow after him at the uh, outside of top 20 quarterback. Yeah, you just don't expect to see Wilson there. And I, I definitely feel your pain on Hogan. I, I think I own him in 75% of my league. I've already dropped him in a couple as well, but I was expecting big things from him. I just looked at last season, the – I believe it was the first six or seven weeks. He was a top 10 fantasy receiver, but man, he's just been a huge bust for me. And I just didn't see this coming at all with him. And like you, I've already kind of moved on from him, unfortunately. Just huge disappointment for me. So on the flip side of that, uh, Stephen, uh, how about a player that's off to a good start that you're not sure is going to keep performing at that level? Maybe somebody that you want to sell high on. Maybe if you're in a league that allows trading, uh, maybe somebody you want to uh, dump while his stock is at high right now? Well, right now, if, you, if you're able to execute trades in your league, I think you really have to monitor closely at the James Conner, Le'Veon Bell situation. Um, you know, reports came out last week that Le'Veon was expected to return to the team after the bye week. Well, the bye week is next week for Pittsburgh. So if you're telling me that you at the at the production that James Conner has had, and right now when you look at the championship leagues, like a lot of teams up the top are teams with James Conner because kind of like how Alvin Kamara was for me last season, he's that guy that you got late in your draft that has really outperformed his his draft his draft draft round draft value. So to have uh, the, the RB five right now in James Conner. You you might want you like I said you have to monitor that situation. If it looks like Le'Veon's coming back, I look at it. You know, Bun Roethlisberger came out. He said that James Conner should still get on the field, should still see carries. That you know, maybe it'd be a committee of, committee approach. But if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers and how I look at the situation of Le'Veon coming in midseason, I'm looking to give him the ball as much as possible. I'm looking to get as much out of him as I possibly can because you know he's likely walking out the door. So if that's the case, and that's how it's been for Le'Veon Bell the last couple seasons, James Conner really just, you know, he becomes a, a, a bench stash for the rest of the season. And so right now, you know, you have a guy that's that already five. If you're able to kind of swindle your way to get a, uh, a wide receiver or another running back that's kind of underproducing, but you might like their remaining schedule the rest of the year. But if you're able to get a couple mid-level guys, you didn't really have a lot of draft capital on a guy like James Conner to begin with. So if you're able to get maybe an underperforming receiver like maybe uh, T.Y. Hilton or Keenan Allen, guys that haven't really produced, you know, when they've been on the field, they've been okay but not great for what they were expected to do. Um, I, I would I would pull I'd pull the trigger on that uh, immediately just because you 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 can't be too comfortable that James Conner is going to be doing what he has been for the through the first five weeks for the rest of this upcoming season. I like that. And I also wanted to talk to you about Le'Veon Bell a little bit. I know you touched on him a little bit. Do you own him in any league? And if so, just how are you handling this situation with him? Fortunately, um, I did about as many championships as last year as I did this year. I have Le'Veon on 
three teams. Now the knuckleheaded move that I that I didn't have is I only had James Conner on one of those three teams that I have him on. So, but even in even in some smaller sixteen roster leagues on RT Sports, I'm still held on to him because you know he could be that guy that comes if he if he if it works out like he says that he's coming back after the bye, that he's going to be on the field week eight. He, you can kind of look at it as the best waiver pickup that you've made all season. Now, whether your teams have done well enough up until that point, you know, hopefully you drafted well enough or you went on the waiver wire, you picked up guys like uh, Philip Lindsay or people who dropped Corey Clement after week one, you're able to get him, who now is going to be able to be utilized with the JHI injury. Um, it's just an, an unfortunate circumstance. Um, me personally, I thought there was no way that a man that's almost guaranteed $15 million to play football would ever think about sitting out. But on the flip side, if there was any type of player with, you know, the type of character that they have that would do something like that, it is Le'Veon Bell. So it's really more shame on me for not investing more in James Conner or taking that 16th, 17th round flyer on James Conner. Just if, if it were to happen, you know, there, there's not a lot of not a lot of risk, but a, a, a huge reward in the process, and and that's what we've seen so far uh, through the first five weeks. So for right now, I'm just holding on to Le'Veon, and you know, we'll just have to see after the bye week if if it holds true to what people are saying, and that he will be a Pittsburgh Steeler uh, come week eight. So you talked about Russell Wilson a little bit when I was uh, when you were uh, mentioning mentioning him earlier about his lack of rushing yards and just not performing like you expected, been kind of a disappointment for you. So I wanted to also ask you about maybe any other superstars out there that they might be playing good right now or they could be playing bad, but maybe somebody that you have some concerns for the rest of the way, maybe something you've watched, uh, you've seen on tape or during the games when you're watching them, just some big-time player that you might have some concerns for the rest of the way. Um, Yeah, there's a couple, but one that comes to mind that I didn't didn't necessarily draft a lot that, you know, a lot of people were taking in the late second, early third rounds. Uh, for me, he hasn't been – I wouldn't say he's been great. He hasn't been bad, but he's not doing what he usually do, what he usually does in a tearing of his own self, and that's tight end Rob Gronkowski. Um, you know, currently, like I said, he's, he's tight end number six right now, but when you, view, when you use that high, high of a draft pick on a player that you take at a position that you expect to be in a tear of his own – you know, he he really needs to separate himself from you know the Travis Kelseys, the Zach Ertz, uh, you know Delaney Walkers, Greg Olson before they had their injuries early in the year. You, when you take a guy at that position that early and you pass on the likes of Adam Thielen and Mike Evans for him, even sometimes AJ Green, you you really need him to perform at a at a twenty point per game, eighteen point per game level to kind of separate himself and give you that advantage at the tight end position. And you know, currently right now he he's right under the the right under 12 points per game, um, around the likes of Kyle Rudolph and Jimmy Graham and Trey Burton. So, and another thing that's also alarming to me is as of right now, amongst all players in the NFL, he is currently 54th in total targets, and that's just not something that's great for him because he's always been not only getting the looks that he usually gets, but He's also been a big touchdown guy. Well, out, other than the week one performance where, you know, he performed very well week one. He gave you what you expected. 
No touchdowns since that week one before him. So, you know, that's something that Gronk's always been known for is to get you that 10 to 12 touchdowns. He's always leading the league regardless of position. And right now he's just not getting looks. And it's just concerning for me because I'm seeing other guys on the field, not Chris Hogan, but I'm seeing other guys <laughs> on the field like guys like Corderell Patterson and Philip Dorsett who are getting looks and getting in the end zone. You know, the emergence of James White, who is one of those players that has more targets than Rob Gronkowski. Um, you know, there's just there's just so much going on with that team. And they've also they found Sonny Michelle to be a very viable running back who 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 seems like when I'm watching him play is getting huge chunks of yards every time. So there's a lot of different looks that this New England team can use. And, you know, on top of all uh, all those players, not to mention the, you know, Josh Gordon trade, Josh Gordon coming over, who knows how that's going to work out for, for Tom Brady and the system. But um, also to go along with all that, you know, this is a guy that's been battling just a, a small ankle injury the last two or three weeks, and it really does seem to kind of bother him more than what a lot of people let on. So, um, you know, it, it's a little concerning for me. Uh, going forward that, you know, Rob, I mean, he'll probably, he, at, look, by the end of the season, you know, guys like Ebron and Jared Cook and maybe even George Kittle who are currently in the top five of tight ends, like Gronk can, Gronk can beat out those guys, but I don't know if you're going to get a thousand yards, 70 catch season from Gronk and, and the 12 touchdowns I think is kind of, is going to be hard for him to get now that we're already into week six. Um, it, it's going to be hard for him to match the the value that you that you took him at in the late second, early third, and you know. But of course, you're going to roll with him at, at such a such a dry position right now with the with the with the injuries that have occurred. So um, going forward, you just gotta you just kind of gotta roll with him, and and you hope he turns it around. But I, I'm a little skeptic uh, for the remainder of the year. Yeah, Gronk owners can't be too happy when Eric Ebron and Jared Cook are ahead of him in the rankings at this point like they are right now. Just something that I don't think any of us saw happening, but it's happening right now. And like you said, I, I think it could be a trend uh, with his down production the rest of the way just because of the way things are trending right now for him, which is unfortunate, but seems to be on a downward uh, cycle for Gronk at this point. So I wanted to mention about some rookie quarterbacks with you, Stephen. So we see a lot more of them starting these days. It used to not be the norm, but we have four of them right now. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. So if you're in a keeper league, you got those four guys uh, as a choice to keep. Who do, you, who do you like out of those four going forward the most? I think going the, for the future and going forward, um, I mean, for me, I, it's still Baker. It's still the number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, for me. Um Honestly, I was one of the few people that, you know, in my area that when we, you know, we talked when we talked postseason, we talked about the draft and the combine. I mean, I, I like Baker Mayfield's uh, mechanics. I like I liked what I saw of him. Really, the biggest issue was like, oh, is he going to be, you know, the next Johnny Manziel? You know, he's got some immaturity issues, got some character issues. You know, I, it, it's something that you have to worry about, but at the same time, it's. You know that's all within himself to to really change. As far as being a football player and getting it done on the field, I, I believe in like he can do it. And you know, right now, as he became the starter after the Tyrod concussion and, and you know lack of performance, um, he he hasn't he, he hasn't been stellar. But at the same time, like you like seeing the things that he's willing to do. Like he's willing to take the chance to throw the ball down the field. 
and that's part of the other reason why I like him in a, in a keeper dynasty setup is because he has weapons around him to succeed. Um, Jarvis Landry, when he came over to Cleveland, he signed an extension with them already. So he's locked into that team for the next three or four seasons. David Njoku, who has been off to, you know, been off to a slow start this year, but last week, you know, six catches for about 70 yards, you know, he's just a, he's one of the more athletic tight ends in the league who also has size. You know, he's, he's not a little, He's not a smaller tight end. I mean, he's a big guy, and, you know, he's super athletic. Um, the running game, as far as, you know, Carlos Hyde hasn't been – he hasn't been that awful this year, and we've seen glimpses of Nick Chubb in the backfield. Um, Duke Johnson's not getting utilized as much, but you, you just – with Baker Mayfield, you can name all these players and you have you have trust with them. And, unfortunately, with the other rookie quarterbacks, they just don't have a lot around them to help them succeed. And also to go along with that – they don't have a great offensive line to help them out either. Um, that's, that's speaking about just the, the other three quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Rosen, and, and Darnold. Um, so if, if I had to move forward and, and feel good about a player, it, it would be Baker Mayfield. And honestly, for me, it, it's not even really close for me. I, I think it's Baker 100% of the way, and it'll be it'll be a while before maybe Rosen or Darnold kind of put themselves in that tier or go along with them. But um, I'm all in on Baker as far as that goes. I wanted to ask you about the waiver wire. I know we're five weeks into the season. Uh, Baker Mayfield may actually be a guy that's out there on some waiver wires. Is there anybody – we know how important it is to navigate the waiver wire and get some possible impact players, but do you see anybody out there right now that could possibly make an impact on the stretch that fantasy owners can grab? Well, i got to be honest, you know, the the – and I've, I've talked about this with other with other owners, but you know, right now in some of these deeper twenty man roster leagues, there's just I mean, there hasn't been many players um, really become available even after week one that have really have really that you went and gotten and, and plugged into into your roster outside of maybe Philip Lindsay that I can that I can really think of. But there are guys that you know are starting to see a higher snap count, being on the field more, that can also you know, potentially be guys later in the year that can that you can really plug in, like, you know, maybe like a Juju Smith. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster last season wasn't a guy after the first four or five games that really excelled, but at the same time, he was a guy that you picked up later in the year that he really produced for you. So, you know, when talking about maybe rookie receivers that are available on your wire, um, a couple that come to mind are Christian Kirk uh, of Arizona, and also DJ Moore of the Panthers. Um, Christian Kirk, you know, he's, we've already kind of seen that him and Rosen kind of have a little little connection going. I mean, both being rookies, you know, both knowing probably staying with each other through training camp and and so forth. They, you know, they kind of have a repertoire that they can that they have with one another. And you know, Arizona can't rely on David Johnson to do absolutely everything for them, as teams are going to make Josh Rosen throw the ball and make him beat beat these NFL teams. And unfortunately Larry Fitzgerald, um, I think mainly we've probably we've probably seen the last of Larry Fitzgerald as far as his last season in the NFL. Um, especially being a, a dominant receiver, a, a dominant target kind of guy because he just hasn't been able to get going with his own little hamstring issues and, and, and back issues at the age of thirty five. It's just it, it's rough for him. But um but yeah, I think Christian Kirk, if he's available, he's a guy that late in the season could uh, 
as he gets more reps, as he gets more snaps with the team, that he, he could be a, a good flex wide receiver three option. And then, um, as mentioned, another rookie receiver, DJ Moore. Uh, first couple weeks, you know, wasn't really on the field much. You know, he saw about, tw- it was about 20 to 25% of snaps first couple weeks. And then the last, these last two, um, he's up around 50%. And actually had four targets last week and caught all four four all four passes. So, you know, it, it's also a thing of opportunity with being on the Carolina Panthers. I've never really been a huge fan of Devin Funches, and mainly because he, I mean, he played he played tight end in college, and now he transitions to being an outside receiver. I'm not sure that he's able to really use the, his agility to get separation. Um, but also with DJ, this was the guy. This was the first receiver taken in the NFL draft in the first round. He's gonna get his opportunities to perform, and I think as the season goes on, he's a guy that you might, if you have a deep roster league, like even in some of these championships that I'm on, that if you have a guy that maybe is underperforming or a guy that you just that you know you're never gonna get in your starting lineup, he he's a wonderful stash to have that maybe potentially in in the later <clears throat> later weeks of the season. Um, could really could really produce at a fl- at a flex position, and especially when you get into these bye weeks that have four to six teams on bye that you're going to have to plug in and play somebody. Um, I, I don't think he'd be a bad option late in the year uh, for your for your fantasy team going forward. So speaking about the waiver wire, I wanted to ask you, Stephen, how do you handle your money, uh, your free agent budget throughout the season on the waiver wire? I know this is a it's very important if you want to do well in these high-stake leagues, and you have done well in the past. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on how you handle your budget throughout the year for free agency. Uh, just uh, That's one thing as far as you, you're always – every year you look at how you drafted, you look at how guys performed, you start noticing things of players when you watch these games. You start noticing, like, guys for the future that you might be – Wanting to uh, wanting to invest in for the next season, but one thing that's never really changed for me as far as waiver wire goes is just the amount of money that people are willing to spend at the beginning of the year on some of these guys, and I've just never truly understood you know that philosophy. You know, now like we've mentioned before earlier in the podcast about a guy like Philip Lindsay, who you know after the first week I was seeing people spend half to to 75% of their waiver budgets in a, in a, in a, in a championship league. And, you know, he's, he's performed, he's performed pretty well. Um, he's right at like RB 23, 24, somewhere around there. So, you know, he's performed well, but at the same time, there's also other players that have gone that people are spending money, that were spending a ton of money on that just haven't produced. Guys like Philip Dorsett, who had the great week one, really hasn't done a whole lot since since that happened, um, the, guy, the tight ends, Ian Thomas and Jonu Smith, when Greg Olson and Delaney Walker went down. And I'm talking about people spending two, anywhere from two to $300 on these type of players. I've always wanted to kind of kind of settle my – keep my waiver budget for later in the year for when, for when bye weeks occur because, you know, at the time of when you're doing this in week one, you have your full roster. You know, there, you might have injuries, but you have your full roster – you have a good core. You don't have guys on by that you have to worry about. Usually, most guys are healthy week one, and you know there, there's going to be those unfortunate circumstances like Delaney Walker. That, like, yeah, you'll have to go out and, and get a tight end to, 
if you don't have a, a good tight end too, that you don't have to go and get to plug in and play. But um, guys spending a lot of money on on like Phillip, on guys like Philip Lindsay and even like last year, you know, Tree Cohen was the big guy that a lot of people spent money on, and Tree Cohen just kind of he kind of busted for you for the rest of the season. Um, I've always been one to want to keep my waiver budget for later in the year to try to go find, like, uh, for example, that Kenyon Drake of last year um, who really emerged the last five, six weeks of the season. Um, finding, you know, waiting for that for that big injury to occur at the running back position and going to find those guys to kind of plug and play. Like, uh, for example, if, if Saquon Barkley were to go down tonight in the Thursday night football game, Wayne Gallman is a guy that I've always really liked that, I would go out and I would spend a lot of my waiver budget to try to get him because I think he can be a top 20 running back if given the chance, and especially with Jonathan Stewart on IR right now. So I've always just kind of kept my waiver budget. I'll I'll I'll, I'll pick here and there of guys who I want, but I I just never will overspend and reach on a guy early in the season, um, just because I'll have my main roster. And I look I look more to spend more of my waiver money as bye weeks occur as I need guys to kind of fill in and play if needed. So that's that's how I've always done my waiver budget um, for the last several years. So you're telling me you didn't spend half your budget on Traquan Smith this week, right? No. You know, <laughs> a guy, you know, guy that only had three targets, you know. I, yeah. I, I see the gaudy numbers, you know, the, the 140, 140 receiving yards and two touchdowns. But at the, end of the guy, at the end of the day, the guy only had those three targets, so. I'll, uh, you know, and here's another one that I saw plenty of after the after the reports came out on the on the waiver wire that people were spending anywhere from 150 to 250 on Traquan Smith, and I just, you know, hey, you know, if, 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 I'll, I'll let Traquan Smith beat me if if that's what it takes, and 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 people people got him at that price. I like it. Uh, last question for you before I let you go. I know I know we're just five weeks into the season. We still have a long ways to go, but you can never stop. You know, thinking about the following season, you can never start too early thinking about the following season. I wanted to get your thoughts on maybe this current trend of just the crazy passing numbers. Like we, you mentioned all the great numbers for the fantasy quarterbacks right now. I mean, do you think this is going to impact the way people draft next year? Is it, are we going to flip again? Are we going to not see these running backs go so early? Or are the running backs going to continue to go early because they're more valued because they're not scoring as much? I mean, do you see any of this, any any trends forming from these just ridiculous passing numbers? Well, I think what I can see that that will happen next season um, will be kind. Of, I think it'll be kind of like a mix of what we've been accustomed to before last season, um, when receiver when it was when first rounds were going receiver heavy and people were getting that position, and then this past year, this past summer of drafts where running backs were flying off the board the first first three rounds or so, I think you can kind of see maybe a mixture of both. And, you know, I I myself have, have learned quite a bit about what I was doing this year that, that I would like to do next for next season already, only being in week six of, of, of this current season. And, you know, for me, I think it's really finding in that first round getting, you know, depending on where you draft and who's there, but Getting a, a workhorse back, you know, a guy like, you know, obviously if you pick early, you pick early, you're going to get guys like Todd Gurley or Alvin Kamara, especially if Mark Ingram isn't with the Saints next season. Um, Saquon Barkley, 
but you know, and and there's going to be there will be it'll be more of a half, of a half split. I think the one thing that I've already learned from what I did this past season is if I do get that workhorse back or I do get my first round guy as a Melvin Gordon or something like that, I'm really going to focus on receivers for the next, and that's what what I really was doing up until this year. I'm really going to work on receivers for those next two, three, fourth rounds because. Taking guys and like the guys that were falling in the third, you think about guys like Kenyon Drake, Alex Collins, Derrick Henry. I mean, those guys, like, you know, and that, luckily for me, Alex Collins and Derrick Henry are guys that I just never really focused on because I just, I just thought, I always thought Alex Collins was just a guy. And then Derrick Henry, I just never liked this game and he's a guy he couldn't catch. Now, one guy I will go on record to say that I've had a lot of stock in that, you know, he's, I mean, he's either he's very hit or miss. This Kenyon Drake, um, I will say that I had a lot of him, but at the same, like you know, it's just a learning process that you know you're you're better off at that at that point taking a guy like Juju Smith Schuster, or even sometimes Adam Thielen was was there when I was taking Kenyon Drake. Um, you're better off taking guys like that as long as you have that one workhorse back, like a Ezekiel Elliott, or I mean. I say David Johnson, even though he could have been in our conversation with Rob Gronkowski that, you know, you're kind of skeptical of. But at the same time, the man is still RB10 so far this season. But um, there's always guys that you can plug in and play with with a workhorse back that you can plug in. And if you have a solid core of receivers, that I think that's really that's really what's been the, the most success for me so far this year is, is teams that are kind of schemed around that, is having the one workhorse back, the heavy receivers, and then filling in with a guy like James White or Naeem Hines even or Chris Thompson. Those were guys that you could get later in the draft that if you hit on that, those are the teams that I've looked that have had the best success for me so far. So, you know, like I said, I think with how how we look at next year, um, I don't think it will be exactly wide receiver heavy. I also don't think it will be completely running back heavy. I just think that it could be a mixture of both. And we've mentioned about the quarterbacks. Um, I know when we talked in the summer, you know, one thing as far as draft strategy goes is always waiting on the quarterback. Well, when we see what type of quarterbacks are in this, you know, in these upper tiers in the top 15, 12 quarterbacks, I think it even goes to show even more that, hey, you just need to wait on your quarterbacks. Because we talk about Tom Brady being QB 16. We talk about, Russell Wilson being QB 21, even Aaron Rodgers being quarterback 11, um, and seeing some of these guys that are in that realm, I think it just goes to show even more that people are going to really just kind of build their core rosters before worrying about a quarterback uh, to lead their to lead their fantasy teams in the future. That's Stephen Hawley. He's the fifth-ranked fantasy player on our site, past winner of the fantasy championship. If you're in a league with him, good luck in trying to beat him. He does a great job, and he did a great job on the podcast once again. Stephen, thanks so much for coming on. You'll have to come on again before the season's out. I appreciate it, Jeff, and uh, I hope uh, hope it doesn't come too soon, but I look forward to talking to you hopefully maybe in a, uh, in, in a, in a playoff fantasy week uh, podcast and Hope all goes well with you and your teams for the rest of the season. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. And that was my interview with Stephen Hawley. Stephen did a great job on the podcast once again, and I want to thank him for all his great insight on the fantasy football season to date and going forward. 
This has been Jeff Power for Real Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone.